Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project podcast. I hope you're having a great week working with your players. In the last week or so, we've published our recent masterclass with Gabrielle Flores, which featured on the podcast last week. If you haven't checked out the full 70-minute video, it's well worth a watch. As I said, Gabe's is one of the best coaches I had the pleasure of working with in London, and this discussion on skill acquisition is a really, really good listen. Head over to the website and check out the full version there. We've also published a new session plan, which is a 4v4 plus 2 positional game and focuses on width, transition, and receiving or playing forward. A really good practice if you've got 10 players at training and you want to work on some opposed passing and learning to receive in space and face forward. Finally, we've just released a new blog article called Whose Game Is It Anyway? This article is written by the founder of Working With Parents in Sport, Gordon McClelland. Gordon's a new PDP contributor and we're delighted to be able to share some of his work. It's a must-read for sports parents and it touches on the dangers of dominating your child's youth sporting experience, providing some practical advice as to how parents can support their kids' sporting journey. Look out for a masterclass with Gordon later this year. In today's podcast, Dan and I tackle another community question. This one's about how to really get to know your players, build rapport and relationships, as well as creating a really open environment. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Don't forget, leave us a review if you get a chance and head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com to join our community and access our huge range of coaching content. Hi everyone, my name's Dave Wright and welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. As usual, I'm delighted to be joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright. Dan, how are you this week? I'm very well, thank you. It's a very uh, wet and rainy week in the UK here because it's gone to June, so that means now the weather's gone down the toilet. Um, so yeah, that's that's what the English summer looks like. How, <laughs> well, how are things I was going to say, it's officially summer, mate, so yeah, it sounds yeah. great. Um, yeah. How am I? I'm well. Uh, had a very, very uh, interesting game on the weekend, which was great. The boys played well. Um, some good performances there, and, and uh, as you're well aware, I've been working with you and collaborating on some exciting new things for PDP as well. So keeping busy, and obviously looking forward to tackling another community question. Uh, the question this week comes from Sarah via Facebook, and the question is, how do I get to know my players? Now again, to provide some context to this, Sarah's kind of written in and said, look, you guys produce a lot of content around you know, getting to know the individuals and getting to know your players in order to affect them, but she's kind of said, how do I actually go and, and live that? So I think it's quite a challenging question. It's quite a nice one for discussion. What are your first thoughts on this one, mate? Yeah, I think this is something that we're both uh, quite passionate about. So the the first thing maybe to talk about would be why would you kind of do this? Why would you adopt this approach? So um, for me, that would be kind of how you build relationships and how you build rapport. Um, and I think those guys are kind of, that those things, sorry, are kind of like the the base blocks, the foundations of coaching. I think if you haven't got a relationship or rapport with your players, then all the technical and tactical or even motivational um, information is a waste of time. So how do you build those relationships and why do you build them? And then for me, it would be um, how you kind of use or, or, or develop that relationship through training, through games, through mm-hmm. reviews with their parents and, and um, yeah, just, just connecting with other humans, I guess. How about for you? Yeah, I think, look, I, I look at most things in life as building relationships with people. I think, especially in the world of coaching, you do stumble across people who are very, very good at it um, and as a result make great progress in their careers. I think in, in any industry, I think if you're going to have success, the level of communication, the quality of communication, the relationships you build and therefore 
trust that you kind of um, create with people will enable you to have more success. So I think that's probably uh, fairly well evidenced in a number of areas in, in life, really. So I think that's a really important step is to say, well, if I'm going to build trust, it's going to be a long-term game. Um, I've got to be honest. Um, got to sort of carry myself in a certain way and, and, and I guess walk the walk, you know, and not just talk the talk in the way you approach your coaching um, or anything else you do. I think the next steps are to probably start thinking about how you can actually go about that with your players. Um, mm-hmm. I know you've prepared some notes in terms of understanding a few questions and you know, I remember interviewing Mick Beale, who's now up there at Glasgow Rangers when he was the Liverpool 21s manager. And he just he just sort of dropped a, a real nugget in the interview, which you can find in issue seven of Player Development Project magazine, just around the, the, the value of informal conversations at the training ground. I mean, have you got some experience with this? And I guess a few other things to elaborate on in terms of how you can build those relationships with players? Yeah, what a massive question that is. <laughs> um, I think... I think um, that taking an interest in people is is super useful because it makes the players feel valued. So rather than just treating them, um, somebody I've worked with when you when you talk about training, we're going to training. He says you train dogs, and so it's not training; it's it's practice. <laughs> it's quite a nice line. Um, and so if you're working with people like we've already kind of touched on, you've got to connect with those people. Um, how I've done this, if you can, if you were starting with a blank piece of paper, would be at the beginning of the season. I would sit with each player and, and, and get to know them. So I've got some some questions we can rattle through in a second. But what Mick talked about was just kind of, I suppose, those informal conversations mm. when you know you're grabbing the water bottles or you're walking back into the into the changing rooms or you know you're you're, you're waiting for a referee to turn up or you, you've just finished a warm up and, and just having little one or two questions up your sleeve to ask the player something that and and I think it's really powerful when you talk about non-football stuff yeah so since you start to talk about non-football stuff you see the kids think oh this guy's interested in me and then the skill would be to keep uh, referring back to that topic maybe um, every week or every six weeks so for example I've worked with a player who's now uh, in the kind of under 15s under 16s bracket obviously very good footballer but very good golfer as well Mm. and so I found that out by just asking him what do you do you know what's your hobbies what would you do if you weren't playing football because it's all encompassing the timetable sometimes and he said oh you know to relax I would like to go out and play to 18 holes of golf so now when I just talk to him I say you know how's the golf going and it just opens up a different conversation that isn't football and he might talk about oh I played with my dad the other week and he was rubbish and I beat him (laughs) by two shots or you know, I haven't played recently and do you know what? I should get out and play or, yeah, I brought some new clubs. Let me talk to you about them. And you're just having a human conversation with mm. someone rather than always banging on about uh, technical and tactical and individual yeah. targets and learning and the score and the cup result and the table and, and all this football stuff, which they're getting anyway. We're just having a chat with this kid about you know his, his hobby, which is golf. And then that might build the relationship that when we do coach he knows that I'm interested in him and then maybe you've got a, a way to talk about some of these other things so that 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 would be kind of a, a, a macro example of how you might plan the season have that kind of um, informal chat at the beginning and refer back to them or you know if you're skilled enough just go every time there's an informal you know you walk back with someone carrying the balls and just have a chat like what, what, yeah. what do you do at the weekend um, it's 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 quite easy but you need to be frequent and consistent with it yeah and I think you need to get around the group as well and I think sometimes whilst you've cited a sort of non-football example or a general conversation sometimes you might see things happen on the park and you think well I wonder why those decisions are happening and I had a moment like this recently with a player who's a centre-back loves to step in loves to dribble um, and sometimes you know can get into into trouble with that because he's still learning the game you know so that's that's fine 
But I think what was interesting was when I started talking to him about mentors and role models, who do you want to model your game on and who do you really like to watch? Straight away, the answer was John Stones. And I thought, well, okay, well, that, that makes a little bit of sense that this player Very topical. Yeah, very topical, right? So <laughs> fallen back down the park, become a centre-back, used to play a little bit in the central midfield area, but really likes to step in and can actually dribble the ball a little bit um, as well for, for a tall player. So... You know, really interesting just to see straight away that was the player. So potentially when he's watching football, maybe he's a Man City fan, uh, maybe he's a John Stones fan, but he's thinking, that's the way I want to play my football. Now, for me, that was just a nice little casual question, and I suspected it might have been somebody like a John Stones, the way he plays, but it just sort of gives me a little bit of, um, or sheds a little bit of light as to why potentially he makes some of those decisions and where he wants to go with his game. So then how Mm. can you start challenging that individual around the areas that he wants to improve um, how can you start using John Stones as a mentor in different moments in a game or perhaps banter with the player that they become stonesy and you sort of bring a little bit of chat into it um, I know Jimmy's also done a lot of work uh, both at AIK where he's coaching now and previously um, in Australia when he was doing his masters down here around players designing their own model of play based on those kind of influence as well. So what players do we like? What teams do we like? And how do we want to play? Um, so again, those are conversations you can have when you start talking to, to players about football and who they're liking. What, what other sort of questions for you would you think would be really helpful uh, to Sarah in this particular instance when it comes to getting to know players? So I've done some homework and I made a little list so we could quickly <laughs> route through these. Um, and if there's any that are of interest, you could maybe stop me and we mm-hmm. could uh, dive into them. Let's do it. So they're not in, they're not in a particular order and they're going to jump around about football and school and home life and stuff. But I'll quickly rattle through them. So the first one I had was, how would you describe yourself? And the second one was, which team do you support? Mm-hmm. And then we moved on to, what's your favourite playing position? Uh, what position do you think you perform best? Uh, where do you live and how long does it take to get to training? So that's a really interesting one. Yeah. When you and I worked together in London, we had 10-year-olds getting the tube and taking an hour and 45 to get to training. And then they were five minutes late and we would say, why are you late? <laughs> and once you understood they were taking you know an hour and 45 to get there, you might cut them a little bit more slack than someone who lives around the corner. Or, you know, mum and dad don't drive. And so that, you know, you might, you might be a little bit more uh, empathetic with when they turn up. Uh, yeah, let, let's, let's stop on that one. And I think we've, we, again, we've published a little bit of content, well, a lot of content on the site over the years around sociocultural constraints or, or, or I guess the sociocultural influences around any given player. Uh, I wrote an article a couple of years back called The Player, which sort of uh, took the PDP model and cited a lot of the you know fantastic contributors we've had on the site as to, um, as to what that looks like. And I think it's really important that before we react or before we judge and assess... Uh, we, we know what we're looking at and we appreciate that there's more to it than just what's happening on the pitch. Now, I've, I've, I've finished games or been at fixtures where somebody will come up and after seeing a player one time and go, that player's not at the level or that player you know, shouldn't be. And I'm just thinking, you can't be serious. You can't be serious right now because you don't know that three days ago that kid was swamped with exams or actually that kid's had to trek two hours and they were late today because something happened at home. And maybe their performance just wasn't that good because they're having that little dip or there's something going along, so going on sorry, behind the scenes. So I think that question around transport, as sort of mundane as it seems, can be a massive influence. And I'm working with a player at the moment who's similar to what you referred to, takes you know, a couple of trains and a bus to get to training. And 
you know, we had a had a session cancelled the other night due to weather, and it was look, just just text the lad and and the coach that I worked with, let him know, and said tell them not to come because a few of the players were already on their way by the time the ground was closed. So, you know, it's just let's make sure that boy doesn't trek all the way out here uh, given given the challenge it is anyway. So I think that's a really important one to understand where your kids live. And, and as part of our individual plans, we've we've made it clear that we want to know how, how long it takes them to get to training. So every one of those players is documented with that. So carry on with your list anyway. It's just, it's all about context, right? It like is. it's the, the learning and the learner uh, are all in different contexts to each other mm. um, but that's probably a separate Q&A for another day <laughs> so then the next one I had was uh, who do you live with so that's an interesting one is it mum and dad is it just mum is it grandparents is it I've got eight sisters and you know I'm the only boy stuff like stuff like that is really interesting um, which school do you go to do you enjoy school what's your best subject not including PE you always have to say not including PE because the kids <laughs> always say it's always a default say, oh, setting yeah yeah okay what else um, what age did you start playing football? That's an interesting one. I think, especially with people working with younger players, it's very easy when working with nines and tens to say that these two kids are the best in the group, when in reality they might have just been training two or three years longer yep. than some other boys. And that's quite an interesting one, training age. Yep. Um, I'll carry on. Uh, do you play football outside of the club? Um, where and with who so we might be talking about informal in the street or they might play futsal or they might you know might go to another coach heaven forbid um, <laughs> do you play any other sports so we've already talked about that with the golf what hobbies do you have outside of football I've had some really interesting ones with that question a boy talked about how he loved puzzles mm -hmm. and so he'd buy books that had like um, you know you have to draw and go around a maze this was quite a young player yeah. to draw and go kind of through the maze with a pen or a pencil but kind of Really nice when you're talking about session design because he might be somebody that doesn't like all the answers. He wants the puzzle and he wants the, um, yeah, the, the struggle of working the answers out. Whereas mm. some kids might might like the answers. Look, I, I think the one around um, around reading and hobbies is really interesting. I, I've worked with a couple of players in the past who are avid readers, and you might you might just find that out through an off the cuff comment from the parents, for example. And I remember there was one player who we've both worked with who was we sort of found out he's an avid reader. Um, and and sort of, uh, you're probably referring to the same player with the puzzles, I think. But it's, and you uh, never guessed it. You, you never knew it. it. You never knew it. No. You're right, and it surprised both of us. But even recently, a, a player I'm currently working with, who's very strong academically and quite a bright lad, um, really loves books. And so, you know, I've been putting him onto a few sort of biographies about different players that might help him, or um, different books that you know might be um, around some of his leadership targets for example so just referring to a bit of reading which isn't too difficult but again he's a bright boy and, and he can sort of you know the age age group he is it's not hard to pick up a couple of books and read about inspirational players and Craig Johnston for, for example is one who um, who obviously played for Liverpool in the 80s and was an Australian player and, and sort of inspired a lot of players a long time ago. So put him onto that and, and he's really sort of enjoying that and it's resonating. So the reading and understanding what hobbies they get up to can be fascinating. Is he the chap that um, designed The Predator? Yes. Craig Johnson? Yeah. Yes. Good fact of the day. Anyway, I'll move on. Uh, next question was, what's the best thing about being a footballer at this club? Um, what's the worst thing about being a footballer at this club? And this is now kind of moving into maybe some more um, elite examples. So what makes a professional footballer, in your opinion? Mm -hmm. uh, what's the biggest challenge to becoming a footballer? Who is your favourite footballer? Um, and then I've got some uh, some kind of different, we're onto a different kind of stream here. Uh, what makes you happy? Mm. What makes you frustrated? 
how do you behave when things get tough or you get frustrated? So that that's yeah. a nice one because if a player can say, you know, when I get frustrated, I don't want to be spoken to. Or when I get frustrated, can you just let me know and I need 30 seconds to stand out? That's a really nice, um, and again, a gateway to a conversation. Mm. Uh, describe how you play in three words. So at, the, at the beginning, we had, we had describe yourself. So now maybe you might describe your yeah. playing style in three words. Um, and then kind of moved on to kind of behavior and linking with people in the team so what behavior do you expect from your teammates um what are the qualities of a good captain what do you expect of your coaches that's a really interesting <laughs> one um what's the best answer you've had from that have you have you had some uh some really challenging ones there or is there anything you can recall where you've sort of been surprised by what the players would want no i think the 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 answer to that one a lot of the time is i want the coach to tell me what I need to do to get better. Mm-hmm. So kind of that honesty angle that we've talked about in these Q&As before. I would say 80 to 90% of people, when you ask that question, say, I want you to help me get better. I want you to tell me. I want the coach to be completely honest with what I need to do, yep. which is maybe in conflict with what coaches sometimes want to do because it can be an awkward conversation to say, yeah. I think you need to think about developing X, Y, Z. So interesting that kids maybe want to be more self-aware or, or want that support and challenge, I guess, around what they need to do better. Mm. Um, the next question I've asked a couple of times, and it blows kids' minds, is <laughs> how would you how would you coach you? Yeah. So if you were the coach, how would you coach Dave? And they, the kids always have to think about that, and they would like, oh, you know, I would do this, or no, I wouldn't actually. Mm. And then, and then my last one is, uh, what's your best footballing memory? So that might be as a player or or as a fan. And that is just a great one. They, you know, they might talk about winning a cup final or um, going to Wembley and watching their hero score a goal or lucky mm. enough to travel somewhere and watch a Messi or Ronaldo. And, and those kind of memories last for, for people. Whatever. One I've left off the list is um, that I use quite a lot, actually, is why did you start playing football? Yeah. And that one just opens up loads of conversations. So they might say, oh, I loved scoring goals or I loved it when I could smash people in slide tackles in the rain. Yeah. Like you get a really great insight to why they kind of fell in love with the game. And if you can tap into some of these things, then it might it might help you design sessions. It will definitely help you have conversations. But I think they're all just nice um, conversation starters, really, aren't they? They certainly are. Look, there's some, there's some really good questions there and obviously plenty, uh, plenty to consider when it comes to talking to your players. I think the main thing is to take those opportunities when you get them. Um, get around the team and and if you do have the opportunity I know the season's about to start again in a month or two in the UK and Europe um, then it could be a case of just having some a team meeting perhaps or uh, looking at you know individual meetings and, and sometimes it's worth sacrificing a session just to have those 10 minute chats with each player get them filtering through if you're lucky enough to have an assistant or another adult who's potentially the manager maybe you can get a little player-led session happening out on the grass where it's a 6v6 while you're having a chat with a player inside or, or on the side of the pitch so getting those meetings in um, can obviously be a little bit more daunting at times for kids. If you're sitting one-to-one, they don't necessarily want to fully open up to an adult. But I think you've got the opportunity there to um, build a little bit of trust, build a little bit of rapport, let them know that you're genuinely interested in their progress and their learning and helping them. And by having this conversation, that's what we're trying to do. So I think you can sort of lay the foundations by doing those individual ones early and maybe having a team chat as well and seeing, seeing what comes out because sometimes the players can surprise you. Um, just in terms of some recommended content, we've cited uh, the McBeal interview in issue seven of the magazine. 
Highly recommend that. The masterclass discussion, I was lucky enough to film with a very good friend of mine, Cameron Knowles, over there at the Portland Timbers, uh, manager of the T2 team, and they're currently flying over there. Knowles, he's doing a great job with them, understanding and developing the person. Um, Knowles, he's been doing a masterclass in psychology, uh, sorry, a, a master's, I say masterclass all the time, a master's in psychology, um, which is complementing his coaching. Um, so a really good uh, discussion there with him on sort of the holistic view and developing people. Read Maltby's article, That's Not How I Learn, a really interesting one which challenges some sort of norms around learning. Um, and of course, Dr. Susie Brown's uh, masterclass discussion, uh, which obviously taps into her expertise in clinical psychology, which has more recently been applied in football settings. So a fascinating chat. Dan, any sort of final thoughts for Sarah um, to really wrap this one up and, and I guess some final advice around getting to know your players? Yeah, I think just as you were talking about, maybe um, I've got visions of an, an adult coach peppering a kid with the 27 <laughs> questions I've written down here. I think um, you don't need to use all of them. You also perhaps need to tell the player how you would answer the question once they've answered it. So not this is the answer, but if I asked you who's your favourite footballer and then you tell me, oh, my favourite footballer is X, Y, Z, and then you might wait for the player to stop talking and say, oh, my favourite player was... So for me, it would be Steve Ball, Wolverhampton, one of the legends. <laughs> and then so most of the kids that I've coached are aware of who Steve Ball is and yep. how good he was at scoring goals and you know how he's the best player to ever play and all this kind of stuff. So it just it just becomes a, a, a conversation. Then you might be showing a bit more vulnerability. And then the on a similar kind of theme, if if the players are intimidated sitting with a coach, there's there's a way you could facilitate a conversation between player and player. So you can maybe print these questions out, have them in a hat. Someone pulls them out and the, the, the kids just disappear for 10 seconds or two minutes to go and have these conversations. And then they come back and say, what did you learn about Dave? Like, what does Dave do when things get tough? Mm. And then Billy might report back and say, oh, Dave said X, Y, Z. Like, it's just opening up those uh, communication channels. But I'd be really interested if people are listening to this podcast or watching that, watching the video, whether they've got some questions that maybe we've missed or some some strategies they've used with their players because it's uh, yeah, it's an area I really enjoy. Yeah, it's a great topic. Well, Dan, thank you again for your time. Hopefully we've helped Sarah with that. A really good conversation. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, mate. Excellent. And we will look forward to another Player Development Project Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.